WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Coming up a little bit later, we're chatting with two of the smartest guys in the room, at least when it comes to pol politics around the Carolinas, getting their hot takes for the year ahead. But first, from hot takes to the hot seat, Anson County finds itself in an unlikely spotlight this election year. The rural but diverse county, about 90 minutes southeast of Charlotte, offers some interesting insight. A few months ago, NBC News announced that Anson would be one of seven or eight counties across the country to watch for this year's midterms. NBC News correspondent Antonia Hilton has spent some good quality time in Anson County over the last uh, couple of weeks and couple of months. Um, she probably could tell you a good place to go in Wadesboro for some food at some point in case you need to know. Uh, and Antonia, you have spent some time out there. Um, what is it specifically about Anson County that, that the folks at NBC News have decided makes it a bit of an interesting anomaly when it comes to the midterm politics? Well, first and foremost, our team at Meet the Press really wanted to take a look at rural voters and rural black voters in particular. And we were interested in Anson County because we were taking a look at the county data, the election data. And what we saw was that in 2016, Clinton won this county by a secure 13 votes. And then in 2020, Biden won it by only four points. And we wanted to take a look at this historic, uh, you know, slightly majority black community there and get an understanding of what was going on with voters. What happened to black voters who had come out in droves for Clinton? Why weren't they coming out for Biden? What had happened there? And what we're finding is a story of voter apathy in some cases there, a community that feels that it has been ignored, uh, mistreated in some cases by politicians of every party at every level from the state up to the White House and is starting to lose faith in the voting process. And in our team reporting, county to county more broadly, our reporters are hearing stories about voter apathy, about a disengagement from the system all over the country. And we've chosen Anson as a place to really invest in stories about the black community, the needs of specifically rural black voters, and then also to understand why black voters, in some cases older black voters, but in many cases young people coming up in communities like Anson are feeling so disconnected and feeling so separated from the political system and faith that anything can change for them. Well, because let's be honest, when you when you think about demographics and voters, you think about urban voters of color or you could think of rural white voters. And, and then sometimes in today's politics, uh, a rural voter of color is often sort of left out of the conversation in so many ways. And that's what they're telling you is that they feel sort of apathetic and left out. So what sort of issues? I mean, Anson County, let's be honest, is, is a county that's hit some tough times over the last few years. It, jobs, the economy, is that sort of thing what you're hearing as far as their priorities? Oh, yeah. When you talk to voters of any race, of any background in Anson, the economy or jobs are the first words out of their mouths. And they talk about it, particularly in the context of the pandemic, having really opened up and exposed just how vulnerable the economic situation is in the county. But when you talk to voters who are middle-aged or older, often what they talk about too is a fear that they don't have much to leave behind for the young kids who are coming up in Anson school systems, for example. They say things like, I don't know what legacy I'm going to leave behind. I don't know what jobs my kids or my grandkids are going to have here. I can't blame them if they try to leave Anson and, and never come back. And it creates sort of an existential crisis because this is a tight-knit rural community. Many people there have deep roots. They love Anson. Uh, they support their neighbors through tough times like the pandemic. And so they want to believe that Anson is a thriving place, a place that politicians will listen closely to. But over the last several you know, frankly, you could say decades even. This is a community that feels that it has been ignored and feels that in many cases that 
that feeling of being ignored, the lack of communication, the separation from the larger political machine has left them in a situation where they don't have uh, a great ability to attract jobs and industries. They don't have much to offer uh, a coming generation of kids from this rural community. And so they don't know what's next for them. And all of that is colliding right now as we head into the midterms and certainly also into 2024. You mentioned the, the pandemic. What sort of impact has it had on a place that is rural like Anson County? Well, the pandemic really exposed the fragility in a lot of the social and economic framework there. And so when you talk to folks, what you hear is that they realized and sort of were faced for the first time with how seriously separated many people in the county are from quality and affordable health care, and that they saw this in early stages of the pandemic, and then they saw it uh, with the vaccine rollout, just the challenges in reaching some people in the community, getting them accurate information, um, or even just information about where these vaccines were available. It was incredibly difficult in a way uh, that it wasn't in other parts of the state and in other areas of the country. So healthcare and affordable healthcare is a, a major uh, issue that has really been exposed. Then broadband and internet came up so often when I talked to voters. Families who were saying that when schools went remote, they actually didn't have proper internet access at home for their kids to be able to do their schoolwork. And so they saw their children fall behind. They had to reach out to the school, which I should say, you know, the Anson County Schools did a major campaign to get um, hotspots to students to try to support kids who didn't have access to internet or didn't have laptops or computers at home. But they were sort of faced with this and caught off guard. I'd say, you know, the, the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath their feet when COVID hit, and they weren't really prepared for that challenge. So healthcare, broadband, and really the economy, these are top of mind, and they feel like they don't have the ears again of people who are at the state level or the national level who are taking these issues and the fears and worries of rural voters, rural black voters often very seriously. Listen, I mean, I know you feel the same way I do is that if there's one thing we can do in our jobs is to elevate the voices of people who don't have a voice. And it seems like right now, um, the folks there in Anson County, listen, we can do stories on them as a local news station and that certainly helps. But when we have some, you know, or organization like NBC News shine a spotlight, you know, from a national perspective. Um, hopefully it can get some folks attention in both parties uh, across the aisle um, and get some of their concerns heard. Antonia Hilton, thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. And you, we know you're visiting Anson County in just a couple of weeks again. So we'll be looking for you and your report. Thanks. Thank you. Folks, a reminder, you can catch all of Antonia's reporting during NBC's county to county coverage, along with Anson County. The team is looking at six other bellwether counties across the country ahead of the midterm elections. More Flashpoint after this. This week, marking the first anniversary of the deadly attack at the U.S. Capitol. Back on January 6, 2021, a large crowd of Trump supporters overtook the building in an effort to overturn Trump's defeat in the 2020 election. This past Thursday, President Biden saying something like this can never happen again. For the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob breached the Capitol. But they failed. They failed. And on this day of remembrance, we must make sure that such attack never, never happens again. Joining us today, Winthrop University political professor, Dr. Scott Huffman. Professor, thanks for coming on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Uh, listen, this past week we marked the, the one-year um, anniversary since the January 6th uh, attack, uh, domestic terrorism there at the U.S. Capitol. Going forward in this year, what, if anything, do you hope that, that is accomplished? I mean, we've got the January 6th commission in the House. Um, 
Do you think anything substantive will happen, not only from, a, from I guess, a, a prosecutorial standpoint, but also legislatively or, or even culturally, perhaps even the bigger thing? Well, unfortunately, I don't think enough culturally is is going to happen. Um, I'm a I'm a very religious guy. I'm an ordained elder in my church. I've I've preached in my churches, and the only place that I feel is is almost as holy as my church is the Capitol. And I, I've dedicated my my life, my professional life, to studying the American government and the Constitution. And I feel these people are domestic terrorists and. They, they attempted insurrection to overthrow the government. So personally, I wish the American culture would take it very, very seriously um, based on my professional understanding of, of what happened. Now, realistically, no, uh, both sides have already taken the narrative uh, and run with it. Uh, you know, some have dis diminished what actually happened. Some have said, oh, these people are patriots, which is ironic because they were literally the exact opposite. But more importantly, this has turned much of the Republican Party not into the conservative party that, that I grew up with, you grew up with, but very much into the um, are you with Trump or are you the enemy party? And, um, you know, conservatives, Republicans are getting primaried because they weren't seen as loyal enough. Uh, when it comes to things like January 6th, we are going to see a tumultuous election season, not just when the national elections happen, but in the primary season as a direct result of January 6th, where it will be a litmus test in many conservative Republican primaries as to who is faithful and who isn't. You're, you're, you're a student of history, a professor of history. What do you what do you think the history books will say about January 6th? Well, the, the history books are, are going to, to say quite a bit. Obviously, they are going to see it as an attack on democracy. Uh, hopefully, uh, our democracy will prevail. But more importantly than just the act itself, there will be just as many chapters written about how this was interpreted, how you know two sides literally saw the same incident and interpret it and the facts in very different ways. History will not be kind um, to this event. History will be, I think, amazed at the level of facts that we have in cameras that future historians will have access to versus what people say happened. It's it's really, I'm looking forward to my retirement reading those uh, brilliant historians take on what happened last year. I, I, I wish I wasn't living through it. And as, as a man who, who specifically studies a lot about South Carolina politics, let's talk about Lindsey Graham. The, the, the day of, um, he, he came out and pretty forcefully spoke out against the president, um, basically said, hey, I, 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 I'm throwing my chips in, no more, I can't do this anymore. You have since seen him and, and other members of the Republican Party walk that back quite a bit to where we are today. Lindsey Graham is uh, most amazing at catching the prevailing winds. He has uh, sailed the, the, his ship of power through tumultuous waters many, many times. Um, and on January 6th, he saw something that was horrific, an attack on the place where he has devoted his life. 
he had a flash of horror, but afterwards he fell back into line. And, you know, at times he is seen as too liberal by the Republicans. He's seen as too conservative by the Democrats, but he tacks his sails and, and threads those waters so that he is always with the, the side that gives him the most power and influence. And he's doing it again, um, and he'll continue to do it. He's, he's excellent at this. So, yeah, it's true. Lindsey Graham was not a fan of what was happening on uh, January 6th, but a year later, um, those winds have changed. Uh, looking ahead to the year, uh, just bro more broadly speaking, politically, midterms um, going to be a big deal. How do you see them um, sort of breaking out? Well, for one thing, you know, a lot of, despite how passionate I am about what happened on January 6th, um, you know, most folks in America are, are still working hard, feeding their families. They don't have uh, a lot of bandwidth to focus on this. They're going to be more concerned about the economy. And a lot of folks feel the economy is struggling. They're worried about inflation. And these things, these, these pocketbook issues are going to come back and hurt uh, Biden and the Democrats in 2022. The sitting president of the United States has only gained members in the House of Representatives twice in all of American history. Usually the party of the sitting president loses seats in the midterm elections. So that's most probable to happen again. The question is how many and what are they blaming on Biden and the Democrats? Their failure to achieve any infrastructure, uh, you know, uh, bills like the Build Back Better, um, the economy, or what? So that's what the Democrats have to worry about. The Republicans right now, especially in red states uh, uh, like uh, like I live in, um, they mostly are focused on making sure their districts are as safe for themselves as humanly possible. Um, but it's the national elections that we really have to pay attention to. I think it was James Carville, I think, who once said it's the economy, stupid. Uh, <laughs> back in the 1992 race, evidently, the, the elder Bush did not get it at the time. And we'll see whether or not uh, Mr. Biden gets it this time around. All right, Scott Huffman. Uh, for us uh, there in Rock Hill at Winthrop. Uh, Professor, thanks as always. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Well, it is 2022, which means the midterm election is this year. Here in North Carolina, all eyes on that U.S. Senate race. Sherry Beasley has all but secured the nomination on the Democrat, uh, Democratic side after Jeff Jackson dropped out of the late race late last month in a surprise move to many. Meantime, on the Republican side, Ted Budd, Pat McCrory and Mark Walker all fighting it out. Former President Trump has endorsed Congressman Bud, but that has not pushed him ahead in the polls necessarily. McCrory still leading in all early polling. Joining us now, uh, a friend of the show, Catawba College political professor, uh, Dr. Michael Bitzer. Uh, doctor, happy new year. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure as always. Um, I want to talk about the Senate race, um, and maybe that's where we start. But but first, I want to get your idea. As, as a person who studies this on a regular basis, you're your thoughts on what the big story of this year will be when it comes to politics here in North Carolina. 
Oh boy, I think we have to, there, there are a variety of opportunities to, to kind of answer that question with, I think it will be the focus of the midterms. Uh, you know, we know that presidents, parties always generally tend to lose seats, particularly in the House of Representatives, with this year being a post-redistricting year and the first iteration of the new maps across the country. You know, we'll just have to wait and see, but history does tell us that generally the president's party will lose seats. I think the competitiveness of this year's midterm election, particularly in this state, will be one of the top, particularly U.S. Senate races in the country. And I think post 2022's election, you know, how does the dynamic of divided government potentially work, if not towards 2024 and the intensity of that presidential campaign? How do you think this Senate race is going to uh, shape out? Um, we, we know how the race looks on the Democratic side now, um, mm -hmm. down to one person. Um, it's still pretty much a three-person race when it comes to Republicans. It is, and I think the May primary, if we continue to have the May primary, uh, will be a real test of where North Carolina Republican voters are. Are they solidly behind the former president and his endorsement of Ted Budd? or do they see Pat McCrory as a viable option? I think that that's the real test now. Who is the Republican Party of North Carolina, particularly its base, the primary voters? Who will they support? Will it be the Trump endorsement or the individual who didn't get the Trump endorsement? You know, Mark Walker is still in the race, but he is considering an option of throwing his hat into the one of the U.S. House races. So I think really by the end of this this campaign period it will probably come down to the race between bud and mccrory uh this past week we marked the the anniversary of the january 6th attacks on the u.s capitol uh going forward um what do you think will be the results of of, of this uh house committee investigating it i think certainly with the public hearings that are going to be scheduled I think we will learn a great deal more of what happened behind the scenes and the American people need to know what happened on that very dark day in American history of when we came to a constitutional crisis, the president attempting to keep himself in power. We need to know who knew what, who did what, when, and we need to hold those people accountable. And as a per person who, who studies history, um, how do you think the history books will, will write um, what happened that day? I think it will have to be in the league of 9-11s and the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in December. I think it was that monumental of a day that America almost lost its grand experiment in democratic Republican government. And we, the people, need to understand the seriousness of it and that it is potentially going to go into our future for the foreseeable future if we don't right the ship anytime soon. You, you did see uh, Senator Burr, who's outgoing senator, by the way, it's worth noting, mm -hmm. uh, stand up mm -hmm. against and speak vocally against what happened that day. Um, is that sort of statement coming from a Republican going to be rarer to see? Yes, because what we now know is that the vast majority of Republican base voters believe 
the former president's big lie that we have candidates actually running on that and are willing to say, you know, if something similar happened and I'm in office, I would continue to vote for the big lie and potentially deny the will of the voters their right to have their say and overturn an election. I think this is a dangerous era that we are entering into for our democratic republic if we want to keep that kind of self-government experiment going. Some um, alarming words um, from a guy who I, I know measures your words uh, carefully. Um, Michael Bitzer, professor of politics up at Catawba College. Doctor, thank you as always. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. More Flashpoint after this. Before we leave, you wanted to share this tweet that I posted one year ago, January 6th. The question still remains. Rioters, vandals, and terrorists will all be held accountable for what happened that day. The Capitol is filled with cameras. The bigger question, what should be done with those leaders whose conspiracy theories fueled their actions? Conspiracy theories that didn't promote a patriotic agenda, but a selfish one. Come interact with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we're there. And also, don't forget, listen to our podcast, and we'll see you back here next week.